It's a Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Hello, welcome into this all-Southern program as we discuss news, sports, opinion, country music. We've got a lot of that on today's show. We've got all kinds of cooking information on the Y'all Show, and we have your input on the Y'all Show. If you want to reach out to us, our number to do that is 803-816-1170, And on Twitter, you can find us at Y'all Show. Please reach out to us. We want to hear from y'all. Well, it's going to be a fun show today. We're going to talk, as we said, about some goings-on in Nashville, Tennessee. Precious Harris is going to join us in hour two with her Nashville Music Line report. And I can't wait to hear what this motor mouth, and a good motor mouth, she can talk. And that's exactly what we want her to do on today's Y'all Show. Give us what's going on in Nashville and country music. Precious Harris coming up. Also, we've got our South feature where we talk about the history of the South. And there was a president who had a much younger wife in office. And it was not his first wife. And we'll tell you about that. No, it's not the current president. It was one from a ways back, and he was a Virginian. We've got information on that coming up in uh, in the incredible legacy this president leaves behind. So we'll have that later this hour here on the Y'all Show. Plus this hour, we're going to talk to ACC insider Jonathan Leifite. He'll come on and tell us about Florida State's new coach, Willie Taggart, and we'll also find out from him how big of an impact the transfer of a Clemson quarterback to Northwestern, what that means for Dabo Sweeney's Clemson program. So we'll have that all this hour on the Y'all program. Well, Tuesday was a primary day in some states, really in the South, not much going on, but we'll tell you about that momentarily. Of course, the national news is a socialist in New York City, uh, an upstart socialist, ends the congressional career of a longtime guy that had been there for 20 years. And so not totally surprising since we're talking about New York City, but yes, a socialist in her 20s is going to advance to the general election in New York City. Her district represented part of Queens and the Upper East Side. In Utah, Mitt Romney won the Republican primary for Senate, so this guy who I'll affectionately refer to as a carpetbagger, and I'm not too far off here. Here's a guy who's been the governor of Massachusetts. His dad was the governor of Michigan, and now he kind of sweeps into Utah and takes over their Senate primary, and I can't imagine him not winning the general election in the fall. So Mitt Romney looks like he'll be a U.S. senator from Utah very soon. Now to the south. And in the South, the biggest news is actually coming out of Oklahoma. We mentioned this yesterday where Oklahoma was voting whether to approve medical marijuana. Well, they did so. They approved it after a upstart deal in the state of Oklahoma. An activist-led signature drive launched more than two years ago was successful. And under this law, a two-year medical marijuana license would allow someone to possess up to eight ounces of marijuana, six mature plants, and six seedlings, along with edibles and concentrated forms of the drug. The governor of Oklahoma, Mary Fallon, said she feared the proposal would essentially legalize recreational pot and said if it passed, she would likely call on lawmakers to return for a special session to set up a regulatory framework for medicinal pot. 
So Oklahoma, it's the first marijuana question on a state ballot in 2018. It passes in, I would say, maybe the most conservative state in all of the U.S. because Oklahoma, if you go back and look the last few times they've had a presidential race, not one single county in the entire state of Oklahoma was blue. Every single county, red. Now, there were a lot of southern states that had almost all red, but they still had a little blue in there. Oklahoma, solid red the last couple of presidential races. And now medicinal marijuana advancing there in the state of Oklahoma. In Mississippi, the Democratic Senate primary, the husband of Celia Ward failed in his attempt to capture that, so he won't be in politics, at least for now. Uh, that what That's what happened in the Magnolia State. In South Carolina, Henry McMaster, thanks to Donald Trump going down there stumping for him, he was able to win his primary challenge, and he will go on to the general election where there will be a, a somewhat of a pretty good effort put up by the Democratic candidate, uh, Smith, I think is his last name. But Henry McMaster wins convincingly in South Carolina after Governor, after Governor Haley left to go join the Trump administration, then that uh, promoted McMaster to the governor's seat there in Columbia, and now he's going to win his actual term as governor thanks to the primary win. Well, this is assuming he wins in November, but uh, it will be a full term after he succeeds Nikki Haley in Columbia, South Carolina. His running mate is Traveler's Rest businesswoman Pamela Evett. So good news there if you are in South Carolina. Another race of note in South Carolina, Trey Gowdy. You know, you see him on TV all the time. He's a congressman. He was part of the Benghazi hearings and such. Well, he's retiring. He's leaving office on his own, and there's been a primary for his seat in the upstate of South Carolina. And William Timmons won the runoff against Lee Bright in that Republican primary. There's two Democratic challengers to that seat as well, but William Timmons is going to be the Republican choice for this congressional race in South Carolina, the seat held by Trey Gowdy, who will be leaving office. And I, I he said on TV that he was going to go back to South Carolina and be a, a, a law guy because he loves practicing law and all that. But I heard someone say he was going to stay in Washington and do the whole uh, lobbyist route. So who who knows? I'm sure there will be a little bit of both. Too much money out there for those who want to be in the lobbyist circle. But Trey Gowdy is leaving office. And many many conservatives feel like this guy is, uh, Gowdy that is, he's been such a, a force in conservatism. But my goodness, did he not let most people down whenever he built up this whole Benghazi thing and then nothing happened? And there's been another instance similar to that in recent months where he got everybody all excited in the end nothing happened? So Republican politics there in the upstate of South Carolina going on and, and uh, still to be determined for who is going to be the successor to Trey Gowdy's seat in the state of South Carolina. Moving on over to North Carolina, I don't know about you, but have you heard of the website called Farmers Only? Well, a North Carolina woman shot and killed a man she met on Farmers Only, the dating website. This happened in Cumberland County, and it happened back in 2015 when they said that they were called to a home in Fayetteville 
and found Clarence Smith 61 lying on the front yard. Sherry Jones told them that she had shot Smith in self-defense after calling him and asking him to pick up things from her house. They learned that the two met on the dating website and had dated for a few months. They were breaking up when the shooting occurred. Jones was charged with first-degree murder, and she turned herself in Monday of this week. Again, Farmers Only was the site that these two found each other on. Don't think that's in the marketing campaign for Farmers Only that uh, something like that can happen. But uh, strange news coming from the state of North Carolina. Even stranger news coming from the home of the Atlanta Braves, SunTrust Park. Authorities are investigating a body that was found in a beer cooler at the Braves' new ballpark just north of Atlanta in Cobb County. Cobb County police responded to a call Tuesday, and they said a deceased person, a third-party contractor, was located in a beer cooler, and it was located by another worker of the same company. And this investigation is still ongoing. The police, they're working with the Atlanta Braves to investigate the incident. So strange things there at SunTrust Park, just north of Atlanta, right off of I-75. If you haven't seen it, it's a, an impressive ballpark that opened in 2017. I have not made a game yet to, uh, to SunTrust, but I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun to get there, but uh, a body found there in the bowels of SunTrust Stadium. I saw a clip of this on Tuesday and didn't know exactly what it was all about. Uh, it was an event going on at the White House with President Trump. But Tr Trump has awarded a posthumous Medal of Honor to a World War II Army officer, and this was awarded to a Kentucky res a Kentucky native. First Lieutenant Garland, Gar Garland Connor uh, was uh, recognized with a posthumous Medal of Honor for his efforts in January of 1945 when he left a position of relative safety for a better position, quote, to direct artillery fire onto the assaulting enemy infantry and armor. The, he remained in the exposed position for three hours, and Connor, despite German forces coming near his position, and friendly artillery shells exploding around him, he was able to maintain the position and, and be a, a, a hero. He died 20 years ago, by the way, First Lieutenant Garland Connor. Awarded the Medal of Honor as an Army intelligence officer in World War II. So we want to congratulate his family as the Kentuckian received that honor Tuesday at the White House by President Trump. In the state of Texas, I think it's in Huntsville is where all Texas inmates go to die, essentially their death row. A 66-year-old Texan on death row says that he wants to be shot by a firing squad because authorities there say that this man who was uh, confessed to four slayings and at least nine rapes was set for a lethal injection tonight, but amid concerns from his lawyers that Health issues may make it hard for the execution and it could be botched and cause him unconstitutional pain. This inmate, Danny Paul Bible, says that he wants to be shot. So only in Texas, I guess. Uh, lawyers, Bible's, Bible, Bible's lawyers proposed to be rolled in this wheelchair in front of a firing squad or be administered nitrogen gas to cut off oxygen to his brain until he stops breathing. Again, he's scheduled to be executed this evening in the Lone Star State.
Moving over to Louisiana, and this is a, a little bit of a strange story. Actress Sofia Vergara, you probably know her from hit TV shows and movies, and she's in a lot of commercials. She and a former boyfriend had a couple of frozen embryos that they created back in 2013 in Louisiana. Uh, her boyfriend at the time uh, decided to freeze these things. Nick Loeb uh, was a Tulane University graduate and a, I think a native of the New Orleans area. He had these embryos frozen and it's been a court case going on with the 25th Judicial Court for Plaquemines Parish and they're fighting over it right now in court down in Louisiana. And again, this modern family actress, Sophia Vergara, in court right now on this uh, whole issue of frozen embryos. We'll keep our eye on that. That's a, that's, a, that's a weird one. And sad news to pass along from Mississippi State University. Freshman softball player Alex Wilcox died Monday of this week after battling ovarian cancer for more than two years. She was a native of Brantley, Alabama, and during her time in Brantley, she won a couple of 1A state championships and was a runner-up finish her senior season in 2017 before signing to play with the Bulldogs. She played sparingly for MSU this season, but her continuing battle against cancer inspired a nationwide movement among players. Wilcox was 18 years old. Sad story from the SEC with the passing of Alex Wilcox, a Mississippi State softball player. In the bluff city of Memphis, Elvis's widow, Priscilla Presley, was honored this week by receiving an award. She got an award for her tourism work for the city of Memphis, which has helped create jobs and the opening of Graceland back in 1982. She was honored by the AutoZone Liberty Bowl with their Distinguished Citizen Award, and that was at the Hilton this past weekend that Priscilla Presley was honored in Memphis. I would have to say that this is sort of her hometown. I know she was an Army brat as a youngster, but she came to Memphis upon meeting Elvis early and went to school there and and then, of course, being married to Elvis. And she's done a phenomenal job with the business side of Graceland through the years. And got to give her credit for turning Graceland into a tourist attraction that I, I think it's the second most visited home in all of America, only behind the White House. And what an amazing place to go see. 20 million people have toured Graceland since it opened to the public back in the 1980s. Priscilla Presley, congratulations. And still looking good. And as we wrap up, another singer in uh, the news, just a little further east of Memphis in the state capital of Nashville, Melissa Etheridge was in town earlier this week, and the Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter is wanting to help out. She's considering opening a new pink ribbon garden in Music City. This is a project that helps bring healthy food to breast cancer patients and survivors who might not be able to afford it on their own. She already has one of these in Orlando, Florida, and Etheridge, who is a breast cancer survivor herself, toured the farm in the city community garden downtown on Monday, where she's considering open, opening a second garden. Melissa Etheridge, who loves Nashville, she says that it's a booming city that has great foods, and she thinks it's going to be a great way to start serving Tennessee through this project in Nashville. Maybe it can happen. 
a pink ribbon garden project under consideration by singer Melissa Etheridge in Music City. And speaking of Music City, in in the next hour, we'll have Precious Harris. Maybe she'll have a little bit more info on this garden that Melissa Etheridge is considering, although it really won't be about country music, so I'm not sure Precious has the scoop on that. But, hey, gardens are good, and this is tomato season. I can't wait to go out and get me one of those ripened summer tomatoes right now. And uh, we've got it covered here on the Y'all Show. We've got football covered in the next segment. Jonathan Leifite will be coming on to talk about ACC football. So hang on for that. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl. I love my family. But last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family. (laughs) For a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831 First line's $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 kilobits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than $0.02 per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. And welcome back into the Y'all Show with John Rawl. As we do each and every week on the program, we put our spotlight on the Atlantic Coast Conference. And for the ACC, we turn to Jonathan Leifheit of the website GoJackets.com, a CBS Sports digital website, 24-7 Sports. Got it all covered there at CBS Sports Digital. And we'll talk ACC now with Mr. Leifheit. Hello, how are you? how's your week been, sir? It's been pretty good. Can't complain. We're in the middle of summer, so life's good. That's life is good. And if you want to reach out to us here on the program and ask Jonathan a question about one of your favorite ACC programs, you're welcome to do that. 803-816-1170 is the way to do that. 
And, of course, on Twitter, we are found at Y'all Show. And, Jonathan, things have been pretty quiet. What's going on? Is, is there going to be ACC football here in less than two months? I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, there will be. Uh, but you, you're right. haven't heard a whole lot lately. I mean, uh, seems like, you know, uh, you know, I always, I always like to say in the, in the off season, no news is good news. So haven't seen a rash of, you know, arrests or, or, uh, you know, ineligible players or anything like that. So I think the ACC is shaping up to be kind of what we thought it was going to be coming out of spring practice. And, and, uh, just not a lot of new things kind of developed at, at this point. I think the biggest, uh, biggest one was whether or not Josh Jackson quarterback at Virginia tech was going to be, uh, eligible or not and it turns out whatever issue he had he got it cleared up and looks like he'll be back in the fall well i, I kind of miss the days when I'm, I'm trying to think you all were, they were competing for the prize of the most uh dramatic summertime experiences in acc football <laughs> you had florida state giving a, a run for the money for a while with Jameis winston i know and then virginia tech didn't they have some problems during the offseason yeah, they've had some as well. I think you're referring to the uh, the infamous Fulmer Cup, uh, where they that uh, they would give out uh, people give out points for arrests and ineligible things, and people get tossed off and all kinds of stuff. And uh, you know, typically, yeah, from the ACC, uh, Florida State seemed to always be a, a perennial contender for that. Uh, and then, uh, uh, to your point, Virginia Tech had some some moments there, especially uh, you go back. You know, a little bit further back to the days of the Vic brothers, Marcus uh, was actually a bigger problem at Virginia Tech than than Michael ever was. But uh, you know, those guys had their had their moments. Uh, Clemson's managed to stay, you know, surprisingly for a team that's been kind of in the spotlight, kept their nose pretty darn clean. I think that's a a good uh, good uh, tribute to the to the quality program that uh, Debo Sweeney is running up there. So you know, all in all, and even the even the the infamous thug you down there to, in Miami haven't had a whole lot going on in yeah. terms of that type of stuff. So it's all been pretty quiet, and I think that bodes well for uh, you know for the ACC season. Well, I want to talk about the Clemson Tigers here in just a second. <coughs> we cannot forget about, if we're picking on teams for not being Boy Scouts the last few years in ACC during the summertime at least, uh, how about North Carolina as a program? You talk about uh, being bad boys. Well, that, that was coming, I guess, from the top down, it seems. Yeah, I mean, uh, they had that big scandal where, uh, where basically they had an entire department that uh, I think it was the African American Studies group. It was basically, you know, it was a, a pretty bogus major, pretty bogus set of classes. Um, they had a lot of athletes uh, taking part of those um, from the basketball team, you know, women's and men's basketball team, including the football team. Um, and it was just, it was more, you know, just systemic, uh, kind of uh, from the from the top down. Um, and that was going back, you know, 20 odd years to back when, uh, you know, head of ACC, uh, uh, John Swafford, when he was athletic director there. So this was a long standing kind of deal. And, and to be honest with you, uh, it looks like they're going to, they've completely skated by on that and they're not going to really get hit with anything. Um, they basically told the NCAA, you know what, this is not your, uh, this is not your, uh, um, uh, jurisdiction. Um, this goes to our accreditation. And you have no business talking to us about how we run classes and stuff. And you know what ended up happening? The ACC bought it. Thought it was a big load of, of garbage uh, at the time. Still do. Um, you know they're they're supposed to protect the integrity of the game. And here they are letting you know athletes take these bogus classes and and getting by and uh, and then they get away with it. So that was a pretty frustrating moment, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, you know that 
kind of hold out. I'd like to still see it be a student athlete. Mm -hmm. um, and in this case, you know, North Carolina uh, got away with it and did a pretty horrendous job of, uh, of, uh, of keeping some integrity in their program. So I kind of look at them and I just kind of turn my nose up at them at this yeah. point. I'm pretty kind of pissed about it, to be honest. Well, it almost sounds like they did it and then they did a touchdown end zone dance celebration saying, you know, you're not going to be able to touch us. And they have not seen – they still have the same athletic director, don't they? Uh, they do. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's uh, – what's his name? Bubba Cunningham? Okay. Yep. So well, you know, it's going back, though, this band's athletic directors, I think if he had not pulled that – perhaps if he had not pulled that uh, that particular tactic off of – uh, to your point, spiking the ball in the end zone and saying, yep, we're good. Um, he might not still be there, but guess what? It worked, and there he sits. Yeah. All right, let's talk some personnel. First of all, let's talk a player that recently left the Clemson program to transfer to Northwestern. Hunter Johnson, a backup quarterback last year, I think was his first playing opportunity in Death Valley. Anything you know about him and how big of a loss he is to Clemson by transferring? Well, so I was uh, I was reading some stuff, uh, you know, kind of uh, about the Clemson. I think they were probably looking at a, a quarterback, uh, you know, kind of a race that was going to probably head into the season. Um, so I'm not sure, and I got to go back and look and see uh, whether or not he was the one of the two that was in there. But uh, I think they were going to be going right. You know, they're going to have a lot of folks, you know, kind of going through uh, that quarterback position, trying to nail it down. Um, so they still got three left. Uh, so they should be just fine uh, in terms of, uh, you yeah. know, quarterbacks. As a matter of fact, I think that was probably an indicator that he wasn't one of the final three more well, than anything. Clemson has a freshman that has come in from the state of Georgia, Trevor Lawrence, a highly yep. touted quarterback. And then they've got Kelly Bryant, who was the starter last year and essentially Correct. led them right to the college football playoff again. So they didn't really step down too much after uh, Deshaun Watson left to go to the Houston Texans. And uh, yep. Lawrence comes in and, and really has a lot of momentum. In fact, he, he came in early. He checked into the Clemson campus, I think, back in January and – he came in with the attitude that Kelly Bryant might have been a starting quarterback in 2017, but this is a team that I can be the quarterback for in 2018. Yeah, and I and I think you know that goes to some comments that I saw from from Dabo that it may not get completely uh, fleshed out until you know after a couple of games into the season next year. So I, I think it's a real possibility that Kelly Bryant doesn't hold on to his job. So and and as a side note. Um, um, Hunter Thompson was was the third quarterback that actually uh, transferred out, uh, um, you know, during the offseason. Zarek Cooper and Tucker Israel both also transferred out. So they're down to just three quarterbacks on the entire roster. That's Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence, and then Chase Bryce um, at this point. So um, they do have two really good quarterbacks to pick from. But if both of those go down, I think they're going to be in a world of hurt. And, and granted, it's not often that you lose two your, of your top quarterbacks, but it's not unheard of either. Jonathan, last week on the show, during our SEC spotlight of the Y'all Show, we had Ryan Fowler come on from Tuscaloosa, and he is an Alabama guy. You can even say the word Homer. And <laughs> I'm going to get your take on uh, what he said, because I think Clemson is right there too. But he essentially said in college football, there's Alabama and then there's everybody else. 
I think Clemson's right there at the edge of Alabama, but uh, is there much of a difference between Alabama and the rest of college football? Um, well, I think it, it kind of depends on how you look at your timeline and whatnot. And Alabama has certainly – they've been number one. Um, you know, Clemson has probably been uh, – I, I don't think you could say everybody else. I think it's probably Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, maybe Oklahoma – are all right there and the, have been kind of in that in that picture um, with with Alabama leading the way. But you know Clemson's not far. Keep in mind, you know they beat beat Alabama in a thriller, and the year before they lost to Alabama in a thriller. So it's not like they've been, uh, you know, it's not like they haven't been in the picture and haven't and haven't had their own their national championship. So I tend to agree with you. Um, I think you probably your top two are Alabama and Clemson right now. Ohio State's not far behind. Um, you know, they've been, they've been in, in that, in that mix just about every year. And like I said, there's probably a few others that are kind of in that, that elite grouping right now. Yep. We're talking to ACC insider, Jonathan Lifeheight right now in our ACC spotlight of the y'all show. And, uh, we've got the quarterback situation with Clemson and I, I don't want to give the Tigers too much love and praise on this show, but Hey, they deserve it because they are a force and they've won in the conference, what, three years in a row now. Uh, at least. Okay, you lost count too. All right. <laughs> yeah, we pretty saw, much. Uh, Jonathan, we saw a, a change. Uh, I'm only aware of one head coaching change, and that would be Willie Taggart coming aboard at Florida State. Have there been other head coaching position changes in the uh, Not, Not this year. Uh, okay. So, I mean, uh, you had a number of them that kind of started, um, you know, last year that were kind of their first season. Mark Richt was one example uh, of that, um, you know, um, but you know, they're, they right now, it seems to be like a pretty stable group. Um, you know, uh, Paul Johnson's been at Georgia tech. I think he's got the longest tenure of anybody. Um, and then you've got right next to him, uh, David Cutcliffe at Duke. So those guys have been there a while. Um, if you want to think about coaches who might be on the hot seat, probably Larry Fedora after the year he had last year, even with all the injuries, if he doesn't bounce back, um, I think there's a decent shot that he could start looking at some heat, um, you know, kind of on him. And after that, it's kind of hard to find somebody, maybe the, you know, Syracuse or Boston College, Adazio at, at BC's had some success, but he hasn't really turned that corner. Uh, Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall still in his kind of a rebuilding phase mm-hmm. up there at UVA. Justin Fuentes is only in his in his third year. Yeah, so you kind of look around, you know, the only only one I really think could possibly be on the hot seat after the season is probably going to be Fedora. Uh, now, granted, if somebody falls apart, whether it's, you know, Duke or Georgia Tech or Miami or whoever it is, um, those guys could all find themselves back, you know, back on there. But right now, I don't see really anybody. But I, uh, I noticed but you didn't mention a guy named Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech. No, he's well. I did say if they if they fell back, okay. then he would he would move to the hot seat. Okay, okay. He's okay. not above that, you know. Um, and you know, to be perfectly honest, if that did happen, his buyout is starting to look better and better. You know, over time, I think the way the contract structured, his buyout would would be pretty, uh, you know, pretty manageable. Um, but you know, as a as a Georgia Tech guy, um, I'm I'm hoping that obviously doesn't happen. And I and I'm a big fan of Coach Johnson as well. So. Okay. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But there's no guarantee that he'll be back in 2019 if his season is not so pretty this year like it was in 2017. Well, yeah, that's 
probably true for most coaches. Let me talk about Florida State and Coach Taggart. I never would have guessed that a guy that was the head coach at Western Kentucky only six years ago would ascend to be the coach of one of the premier programs in college football only six years later. Taggart, after coaching the Hilltoppers, which is where he played quarterback for back in the early 1990s, he has gone on to coach South Florida, did a good job there in Tampa, and then was the head coach at Oregon for only one year before getting, before getting a chance to come back to the Sunshine State, this time coaching the Knowles. And how much of a, I guess, a leash does he have in Tallahassee? How much time does he have to, to take this team back to national championship contention? Because last year they fell apart, but prior to that they'd really been a dynasty in college football. Yeah, they they had been, and and uh, you know Jimbo Fisher done a good job of kind of restoring them after they fell you know fell off in the latter part of the Bowden years. Um, but you know, I don't think you get much of a leash down there at all. If if uh, Jimbo Fisher had one, they had have been you know talking about showing him the door, and and then you know when he didn't, he actually had to your point had a bad year last year. Um, you know, kind of another team that was riddled with injuries, but he had a bad year, and there was a lot of people. We weren't really all that sad to see him head to Texas A&M. So, you know, they, they kind of said, you know, he had pulled kind of that, uh, hey, I might go somewhere else if you don't if you don't give me a contract extension at another point. And they gave it to him. And I think this time it was like, yeah, well, maybe you just go ahead and go. So I don't think there was a lot of sad faces. I don't think they were, you know, ecstatic about him leaving, but certainly uh, weren't a lot of sad faces there in Tallahassee. So in my opinion, you know, Taggart, he's going to have to come in um, he, he has no room to struggle. Um, he probably has room to not win huge, like he, but he, if he gets below seven or eight wins in that first season, I think there's going to be a lot of people wondering, did we make the right choice? You know, if he gets them up to nine or 10, they'll be like, all right, this is what we expect. And then they'll expect him to do better. Mm-hmm. So the leash is tight and will only get tighter over time. I see. Okay. I know that uh, Francois was the quarterback that got hurt in their first game against Alabama last year. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Was he the only reason that Florida State had such a terrible year from a injury standpoint? I think he was the primary reason. They really did not have a another quarterback, another viable quarterback on that on that roster. So they were able to really people were really able to key in on them offensively. And then they had some, I believe they had an, a, a wide receiver to go down um, and just never really were able to get a quarterback to lead that team. And let's face it, the way Jimbo Fisher, his offenses are structured, you're, he, he really relies on the quarterback to kind of carry things, which is why you saw them have such great success when they had a talent like James Winston uh, out there. When you, have, when you have kind of a younger player that can't grasp all the things that that, that uh, Fisher wants them to do, they're going to struggle, and that's exactly what happened. They had nobody that was ready. They were throwing, I think at one point, I think I looked up there, and I think they had a, a walk-on that went, was out there at some point because of the some of the injuries or somebody that had moved from another position. Um, so they, they really had big-time problems. And I don't think Francois was the only quarterback that went down last season. I'm, I'm drawing blanks on the other names, but I am pretty distinctly remember that they did go to their third or fourth string quarterback on the depth chart uh, in a game or two. Hmm. Well, uh, to see, uh, I guess Francois is back this year and healthy. As I understand it, yeah. Okay. Well, we wish him well. Always a tough deal. I guess he probably gets a red shirt for his 2017 season. 
Yeah, he should. He should be able to apply um, for for one um, in terms of because uh, I don't think he played but the one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you play less than I think it's twenty five percent of the games, you can they'll they'll probably grant that. So he'll have to to ask for a waiver from the NCAA. Now going forward, that's a that's a different rule. They're actually stated now that you could play I think in up to four games in a season, um, and they don't have to be at the beginning of the season. They could be in at any point in the season and still get a red shirt. So that's going to be an interesting rule change this coming year. All right. Well, we wish Florida State the best. And they, going back to 2017, had a rough time of it last year. Of course, uh, diehard ACC fans don't feel too sorry for them after they dominated the conference for such a long time. But to FSU's credit, they did get a game added at the end against Louisiana Monroe. They won that game. They got to go to the Independence Bowl, and they beat the Southern Miss Golden Eagles and the Independence Bowl to wrap up their 2017 season. So not all lost. Hey, just to, just to kind of go back to uh, Francois, um, I did recall uh, um, that he was under uh, suspicion. We we're talking about off-season kind of stuff. Uh, I believe that uh, um, he was under suspicion of selling drugs, but uh, um, I don't think they actually found him other than a minor amount of, uh, of marijuana that uh, uh, he wasn't found uh, to be selling them or anything like that. But he did have a, a, a an arrest on possession. I think it was a few grams of marijuana on him. So can't say that it was a completely clean offseason for the ACC. But <laughs> by and large, I mean, eh, you know, I don't view pot possession as being that big a deal, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me come over to your house and get yours. Get your- <laughs> hey, I don't live in I don't live in Colorado, buddy. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about, Jonathan, people love ACC football, but it is not as easy to find ACC action, and the ACC network is coming, but Jonathan, it's not coming until August of 2019. What is the holdup that we don't have an Uh, ACC network just like the SEC network? Yeah, so the ACC's kind of gone about this a little differently in that they were actually having the schools um, kind of set up production facilities. So each and every school in the ACC now will be able to, 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 to televise and produce um, any event that goes on on their campus and then send that up in HD format and HD quality. And that's a little different than I think how the, the SEC was doing it. So there's been a tremendous amount of, of uh, infrastructure investment. I believe Georgia Tech just spent about $10 million dollars uh, kind of up coming up with a, a studio and and uh, the, the required facilities in order to handle all the video production and most of the other schools are doing exactly the same thing or have done that already so they're really kind of doing some investments in the in the programs themselves in order to accommodate that and then that will drive content on what we call the linear channel uh, for the ACC and I think it'll just it's just a little different model uh, than, than kind of how the ACC and even the Pac-10 and Big Ten have done it. Um, so there'll be a lot more, I guess, uh, live content that'll be coming forthcoming from the ACC than, than what you've seen on the others. It probably won't focus purely on football. It'll it'll have a, a little little more well-rounded from a sports perspective, which may or may not be good depending on your interests. I got you. Well, the ACC network from ESPN set to debut in August of 2019, and I know they're going to have some kind of presence in the SEC network offices in Charlotte, which is, of course, ACC country. 
So be <laughs> on the lookout for the ACC Network, but you'll have to wait a little bit longer. Jonathan Leifite, 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital. Thank you so much for tuning us in. We're going to give you the week off next week since it's the 4th of July, so enjoy your, your week off. We'll catch you the week after. And one of the things I'm going to ask you, so go ahead and start doing your research, is the financial payout to ACC programs <laughs> this year. All right, I I probably can get it for for previous years, but maybe not this year. Well, wh- whatever year you can get it. So we just want to to promote all the money these teams are making. So uh, maybe if any of them owe you any money, Jonathan, you can go collect. Yeah, that'd be nice if they only owe me money. They they should pay us when they lose. That's how I feel. If your team loses, they should give you a little kickback. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, Jonathan Lifeite, thank you very much. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to have a little taste of Southern history to share with you. And an hour or two, Precious Harris of the Nashville Music Line will be our special guest. You don't want to miss that. So keep it here to the Y'all Show. We'll be right back. Hi, Tom Bodette. Ever notice how some places use fancy words just to make things more expensive? Like calling anything handmade craft or using aioli when they just mean mayonnaise. Well, at Motel 6, expensive words aren't really our thing. Our thing is clean, comfortable rooms at a great low price. So you can get a good night's sleep that leaves you feeling as fresh as that massage kale salad. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. And we're back on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. And on this program, we have it all covered for you, including the South's history. And in this Our South feature this week, we're going to talk about John Tyler. Remember the saying growing up in school, Tippecanoe and Tyler too? Well, Tippecanoe was actually for John Tyler's predecessor as president of the United States. Tyler was the 10th president. But William Henry Harrison was actually the ninth president, and that was the Tippecanoe part of that famous political saying. And Harrison died only about a month into office from pneumonia, and John Tyler became the president. And it was a constitutional crisis at the time. No one really had it all perfectly spelled out that the vice president would ascend to become president upon the death of the president. But that's what happened Back in 1842, and I'm sorry, 1841, when when the death of Harrison happened and and Tyler became president, and again was the 10th president. He was also the 10th vice president of the United States. But this Virginia native became president, and then about a year in office, his wife, who he had had nine children with, she died of a stroke, and she, uh, you know, it was just a sad thing for the president, the first lady of America, to die. In office, so here, President Tyler was president, and he did not have a wife. He was a widower, and it was on this week in 1844 that John Tyler married 21-year-old Julia Gardner, and it was his second marriage, of course, and she was the youngest first lady in the history of the country. I think there was about a 30-year age difference between the two. 
And the reason they even knew each other, this is a strange story. Earlier in 1844, President Tyler had an entourage, including David Gardner, a wealthy New Yorker, on a boat called the USS Princeton. And they, uh, this Princeton was a brand new boat, and it was off on a, a voyage showing off what all it could do. And on the Potomac River, just around Washington, D.C., they were cruising, and they went near George Washington's home of Mount Vernon, and the USS Princeton decided to fire off cannons as a salute to George Washington when they went by Mount Vernon. At the time, the president was below deck raising a toast, and the cannons on the USS Princeton went off and exploded, killing Julia Gardner's father and several others, including members of President Tyler's own cabinet. When Tyler went up to the top of the ship to help help out, he actually caught Julia just as she fainted at the news of her father's death. And when the ship docked, President Tyler took Julia off the boat in the safety of his arms. And from that point on, there was an admiration between the two, and they fell in love. And in 1844, they were married. And they ended up having children, President Tyler and Julia Gardner, who was much younger than he was. And here's another strange twist uh, in, a, in a bizarre situation of a Virginia president, Virginia the home of so many presidents. Can you believe that President Tyler, who was born in 1790, has a living grandson today? His grandson is Harrison Tyler, and he lives in Virginia. He's got a great-grandson also that's Harrison's son, William Harrison, William Tyler, rather. And earlier this year, CBS News' Chip Reed caught up with the two. And here's a little brief portion of that interview to help tell you a little bit more about Julia Gardner and John Tyler's romance and how the president from 1842 has a grandson alive today. When you tell people that you are the great-grandson and your father is the grandson of the 10th president of the United States, do they find it hard to believe? I find it hard to believe. <laughs> I think it has to do with second wives. Much younger second wives. Here's how it happened. John Tyler became president in 1841. He had eight children with his first wife, who died while he was in office. At 52, he married 22-year-old Julia Gardner. They had seven children, for a total of 15, the most of any president. He was 63 when son Lion Tyler was born, whose first wife also died. Lion, too, had a very young second wife. He was 75 when Harrison Tyler Tyler was born. Yeah, President Tyler renovated <laughs> this house, Sherwood Forest Plantation, with young Julia in mind. Uh, this was the ballroom. Uh, John Tyler's wife was uh, 30 years is younger, and she liked to party. Liked to party. Yeah, and this was uh, designed for the Virginia Reel. Which was all the rage at the time. William says the house is haunted. That is the ghost. And it's amazing. You can see the curls coming down in a bonnet on top of her head is clearly a young girl, there's no doubt. The ghostly image remained even after being painted over. President Tyler's biggest accomplishment was the annexation of Texas, but political ambition does not run in the family. You never thought of running for president yourself? No. Nope. <laughs> you wouldn't want that job? No. Nope. <laughs> Would you want that job? No. <laughs> I know better. <laughs> Instead of making history, they prefer to preserve it. 
amazing stuff about our 10th president, John Tyler, from the Commonwealth of Virginia. And after his presidency, he was a believer in states' rights and actually was elected to the Confederate Congress and served in Richmond as a Confederate representative. Here's a guy who was president of the United States serving in the Confederate Congress. It kind of helps explain how crazy it was in those days. And uh, maybe you should look at things a little differently if you, if you think you've got it all figured out. John Tyler is an example of a fellow that has had an interesting story and amazing that his own grandson, and he's got two grandsons that at least earlier this year were both alive, and we heard there from one of them, Harrison Tyler, on the Y'all Show. Well, that concludes hour one of today's Y'all Show. When we come back, we've got an inspiring story that's taking place next week on the coast of Mississippi that we'll share with you. Our hashtag hullabaloo's coming up. And later, we've got Precious Harris with the Nashville Music Line. She's got the report on all things country music. That's an hour two of today's Y'all Show with John Rawl. I love my family, but last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family (laughs) for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus, get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831 First line's $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 gigabits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Welcome to the Y'all Show. It's hour two. John Rawl, glad to have you aboard. And if you want to reach out and connect to us, we welcome you. Just let your southern fingers do the walking. 803-816-1170. And you can follow us on Twitter. We need all the followers we can get, y'all. It is at Y'all Show on Twitter. And we also want to remind you that if you miss a portion of the show, anytime you can go into iTunes and find the Y'all Show. It is a free download. So every episode that we've ever done on this program is available for a free download. You can listen at your leisure. And uh, it's just a fun way to listen and share. We want to build this thing. We want to be the show. This is a show, the Y'all Show, that is all about the South, how wonderful the South is, how important the South is, and it is a show that we hope will help you out. We want you to feel good. We want you to tune into this show each and every day and not be stressed out by politics. Not be. There are shows out there that will drive you crazy with the political talk. Even if you like most of what they say, they'll have a guest on or something that will just send you through the roof. This is not a show like that. There are shows out there that they talk about the money, 
that you have or the lack thereof, and that may get you depressed. Well, we're not going to dwell on money on the y'all show. We are going to dwell on y'all and how awesome the South is. And that means music, sports, politics, religion, culture, food, and I know there's a hundred other things that I should be saying. But anyway, glad you could join us on this hump day edition of the Y'all Show with John Rawl. I got this email in Wednesday now, uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning, actually. I got this email in and I would absolutely love to make this a reality. I don't know if time or budget are going to be on my side, but have you ever seen the HBO series Band of Brothers? It was done around 2001. Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, awesome, awesome series. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. It's about Easy Company of the 101st Airborne who fought in World War II, and they started out at D-Day and worked their way across Europe and were in Bavaria when the war ended. Just an amazing story, just like so many soldiers who fought in World War II's story is. But uh, I've watched Band of Brothers. I have bought the DVD set, even though I've seen it on HBO On Demand already, and I can't get enough of it. I've actually got my eight-year-old son interested in it, and we've seen the whole series, even though it does have some words he probably shouldn't know, but the importance of the story of what uh, Easy Company, 101st Airborne in World War II did is such a such a uh, inspirational story that I think everybody should should see. And this is true. This is this is our story. Easy Company actually got going at Tacoa, Georgia, where Currahee, the mountain there, was where they trained. And then they trained in North Carolina prior to shipping off to the Eastern Theater and fighting the Nazis. But uh, I, I just love that series and the equally good series, The Pacific, that was done some years later by HBO. Both amazing series. Well, in my inbox on Monday evening, or Tuesday evening, rather, I was uh, searching around, and lo and behold, I got an invitation to an event in Biloxi, Mississippi. And this is going to be really cool. It's going on July 2nd. Uh, and this is going to be at Beau Rivage down there where they're putting on Military Appreciation Monday, and they're going to have a member of the Easy Company, Private First Class Bradford Freeman, stop by. He is actually a resident of Caledonia, Mississippi, and he'll be going south to this event, and they'll have a book signing, and uh, it's going to be a fun event. But Bradford will, Mr. Freeman, he won't be alone. In fact, at this event, Monday at Beau Rivage on the coast of Mississippi, he'll be joined by Colonel Dick Cole. Dick Cole is the last surviving Doolittle Raider. And if you're not familiar with the Doolittle Raiders, they were the ones that bombed Tokyo in the early days of World War II, and it really shook up the Japanese Empire that that planes could be flown over Tokyo. Now, they came from a ship. It was a one-way deal. It's an amazing story. They also trained in the South, by the way. They do little raiders. And uh, they were successful in bombing Tokyo and scaring the you-know-what out of the Japanese who didn't think that that could ever happen. So both a Doolittle Raider and a member of Easy Company going to be at the Beau Rivage Monday. And, man, it would be awesome if I could get down there. I'm 
trying to see what I could do. But love to interview these two heroes. And we want to remember all of our war heroes here on the Y'all Show. But that's coming up Monday. If you're able to get down there, they're doing a book signing and more at Beau Rivage, a cool place on the coast of Mississippi. Okay, it's time for hashtag hullabaloo. And we got a Virginia Tech fan who thinks that this is quite Southern, so we want to share it with you. He's got a photo on Twitter, at VTRunnerDude. A day late to National Selfie Day, but the bow tie and suspenders should make up for it. And he's got a picture of his bow tie and suspenders. Now, Mr. VT Runner Dude, I wear bow ties. Bow ties are cool. Not every day, though. If you wear a bow tie, take a break. Don't wear one every day. Wear one, I think, every couple of days, maybe once a week. But I think everybody should wear a bow tie. If you're a Southerner, don't look down on people that wear bow ties like we're Orville Redenbacher, okay? They're, women like them. Uh, they're, they're easy to, to wear. They're great to wear because especially if you are having to work, they don't flop around all over the place, and they look sharp. But don't wear a bow tie and suspenders. Bow tie, suspenders, bad combo. Long necktie and suspenders, that's a pretty good combo. Bow tie suspenders, not good. Not going to do it, VT runner dude. So as, a, as, a, as your fellow dude, let me tell you, don't do both suspenders and, bra- and braces. Another name for suspenders, okay? All right, glad we could get that out of the way. Timothy Brummett, who is a realtor at My Home Carolina on Twitter, he's got a photo of his two canine Americans there helping him out, and he says, my garden helpers are the best and cutest. Aw. Uh, you know, canines in the garden? I don't know if that's such a good thing, Timothy. Have you had a dog in the garden lately, folks? I mean, they, they can tear up some stuff. And I, I mentioned earlier, it's tomato season. And these tomatoes are, maybe if you're lucky, falling off the vine. And do you really want your dog running around like a madman and tearing up things? Well... Timothy, maybe yours are perfectly under control. It sounds like they are. I know they look good, good good dogs there. And uh, you're in North Carolina, it looks like, with your garden. And uh, I think with all the rain we've had across the southeast, your, your garden ought to be in good shape, and those dogs ought to be happy too. I don't know what can be harvested from a garden that a dog would eat. They like meat. I don't know too many vegetarian dogs, but... Timothy, hopefully your garden is beautiful. Those dogs look good, too. Congratulations. Finally, on our hashtag hullabaloo, I got this. If you're going to have something to eat, well, you need something to drink. And I saw that at Dixie Vodka put a tweet out. It says uh, it's got the definition of bless your heart. And it's a phrase, typically an insult to express that someone is an idiot without saying such harsh words. Also a, pr- a phrase to express sympathy or pity. Bless your heart. This this was one of those expressions in the South that I think is uh, it's used and it's used too much and it's uh, it's kind of fake. Uh, it's fake news. Bless your heart. But uh, thanks to Dixie Vodka for sharing this little meme about this phrase that some people use. And uh, you may know someone who uses it too much, but it has been exploited. The phrase, bless your heart. Thanks to Vic, Dixie Vodka for that. And I had to look up Dixie Vodka. I, I had not really seen them. I'm not a drinker that much. Uh, 
so I'm not going to talk too much about drinking on the show, but they did catch my eye with their name at Dixie Vodka on Twitter. They claim to be the South's best tasting vodka, 100% made, six time distilled in Charleston, South Carolina, and most importantly, maybe gluten-free Dixie Vodka. Check it out if you're into that uh, mindset of drinking vodka. I have never, I, I don't think I've ever had vodka. I guess it was the American in me that wouldn't dare taste something from Mother Russia. But Dixie Vodka from the holy city of Charleston, perhaps they're a, a good choice if you're into that kind of thing. Well, we are into country music on the Y'all Show. We're going to take a break on the program, and when we return, you might need to get you some Dixie Vodka if Precious Harris uh, is uh, coming aboard because she will make you feel good about country music. She's going to make you feel good about all that's going on in Music City, USA, truly a special, special city. I lived there for a long time. I knew Precious when I was there in the 1990s. And we're going to be going to Nashville a lot on this program. So get ready. And Nashville is not just country music. It's got other forms of music that are a big part. And it's a booming southern city with lots of industry now and lots of excitement. And we'll share that with you as we get to the capital of Tennessee, the capital of country music, and really one of the best cities in all of America, Nashville, Tennessee. And we're fortunate here on the Y'all Show we can pick up and head there, and we're going to head to other places in the south too. Don't get me wrong. We'll be going to the beach. We'll be going to the mountains. We'll be going to the small towns. We'll be going to the festivals. We're going to be doing it all, y'all, on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. So grab you a good seat and pull that radio up close because Precious Harris is coming up next with the Nashville Music Line on the Y'all Show. I love my family, but last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family <laughs> for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus, get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831 First line's $100 a month. Line's two and three or $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 gigabits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Free phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 
As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. I sit here by the jukebox in this country bar I gotta hear some fiddle and some steel guitar A month ago my loving lady threw me out And I don't know what to do so I just do without This old city brings me down and ain't been good to me But it's all that I can do to keep my sanity But the future's looking bright Cause I'm finally feeling right And if it weren't for country music I'd go crazy And we all would go crazy if not for country music That was Clint Gregory there And our time now on the show to introduce Precious Harris Nashville Music Line And country music is America's music And on the Y'all Show we're glad to be a southern based program And we're glad the country music is southern based But is out there across the entire world, but still has its roots here in the South. And Precious and I have a long history together. And and when I do a show that's going to talk about country music, well, there's nobody better to bring on the All Show and give us the scoop of what's going on, but also her hilarious take on things. Precious Harris, welcome into the All Show. Well, thank you, darling. And uh, you know, I'm married to a Brit, so uh, I'm really considered a y'all girl when I get over to London. So. This is just a perfect fit. Plus, I love country music. Yeah. And, uh, I love all kinds, but country is where it seems that people gravitate toward me because of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could call me, um, I've did everything in town and experienced everything so I can understand how the music, all the pieces fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a list of 75 things that you have to do to make sure that you're doing what you do for your career. And I help aspiring singer-songwriters artists, uh, musicians. Um, I actually uh, used to work with a band called J4, which is incredible. And they had a little cousin who was just full of hilariousness. I get there's a word such like that. So I told him, so I called a, a friend of mine who was an agent and sent him over there when he was eight years old. Fast forward, he has now been in the new It movie from last year. And he's in Atlanta right now filming Goosebumps 2. So um, I didn't mean to be an agent for, uh, I guess you'd call me a talent finder or whatever, because I don't go out to find talent. Um, A lot of people send it to me because of word of mouth, because I've got a very, very specialty type of company. If you go to Belmont, you're going to go four years. Well, I was a Belmont student, and uh, growing up in the industry, my cousins are the Everly Brothers, my mother was a golf artist, so I got a really good round of different things in the industry. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing I do is help do education, uh, encouragement, and uh, artist, what I call artist slash music career development. And I'm not an artist development because you either got the talent or you don't. If you're weak on spots, I'll take that and send you to someone who will help you not be weak. Uh, I was lucky enough to have the 
final finalists, the top five finalists of the United States in my office Monday from the country showdown. And uh, basically, you can be an okay talent and have work ethic from you know where <laughs> and do, do good and be successful in your career. But your decision determines your destiny. So if you come to me and said, I want to be a songwriter, I listen to what you've got, find out, and I'll show you, this is what you need to do when you meet with a publisher in a year and a half. So anyway, so uh, that's what I do. Well, let me ask you this because I have a friend who's an aspiring singer-songwriter, and I told her I'd ask you this question on today's y'all so show. So Felicia, this is for you. She wants to know the whole – for, and this isn't just for her. This is for anybody who's ever even thought about writing songs. What is the deal with ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and why should you be registered, and how does it help out? Well, they each, well each of them pay you. Okay. as a songwriter and a performer and a publisher and you can be your own publisher and the reason why i encourage people to go ahead and set up their publishing if they're new and trying to understand the business is because if you go into a meeting and they're like we want to sign you to a publishing deal you're like oh cool and they go what's your publishing name we'll do a co-pub deal or we'll do a full-on deal then after two years it reverts back to your publishing company well after two years if you don't have a publishing company what are you going to, you know, it, it, there's nothing to revert back to. So everything you've worked for for the past two years that the main publisher did not decide to use goes into a box and it holds it there. Because when you get paid as a songwriter, it's 4.5 cents for the standard royalty of airplay and then 4.5 cents as a publisher. So for every download you get, um, you, whoever's the label is, pays you 10 cents for that. Uh, there's several ways to make money as a songwriter. There's a mechanical license where you make money on a physical copy. Um, there's sync license where I had uh, one of my, I call my kids because I do everything from help them get appointments made for their vocals to um, styling and everything. That uh, had us, the middle, the, the, the TV show, excuse me, the middle contact her and said, we want to use your version of Charlie Daniels that ever went down to Georgia. We need a female. Thank God she had master use license in place from someone who issued them, either like Harry Fox or um, EasyLicensing.com. And so that's – but the, the base of everybody getting paid for you for radio airplay and for other outlets, they also pay you for live performance now, BMI and CSAC and ASCAP does. They are the people who is your employer as a songwriter, publisher, who will pay you for a, a certain part of your career of your music being in the consumer's eye. What is the difference between the three publishing companies? Well, the biggest thing is, is that CSAC is privately owned and you have to be asked to join. Um, BMI is uh, started out with radio people. Radio people owns it. ASCAP was established in 19, I think 14 and it's run by songwriters for songwriters. So there is um, online at Google ASCAP versus BMI. I have friends at all three. Okay. Um, so I don't personally recommend just one. I actually have people go there. Say, let me set you up a meeting. Meet. I want you to feel warm and cozy because if you go to a job and you don't feel like that it's a good fit, a good match, you definitely don't want to be there for five years. Mm -hmm. um, they automatically renew. And uh, there is a new scam going on that people have somehow or another got your name and it's out there, which whether or not you know it or not, uh, at ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC and say, hey, 
your 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 dues, uh, your yearly dues are due. You need to pay two hundred dollars to CSAC or ASCAP or BMI. There is no such thing as dues yearly. You pay a one-time fee to join as a publisher. You pay a one-time fee to join as a writer with all three. Now, we are the only country to have three performing rights organizations. But since that I've written my book, The College of Songology, uh, there's been a, a songwriter here in town. I think he's got – when I went to his party a couple of weeks ago, it was 21 number one songs, I think, and uh, Shane McAnally. And he actually started Global Rights, uh, which is the fourth PRO and uh, from what I understand, it's the only the elite the songwriters are bringing down more than a quarter of a million dollars a year in songwriters royalties. So it's a very elite um, type organization. And I'm 99 percent sure from what I the people that I spoke with on the row that it's a it's an invitation only to. Huh. But it's run by a songwriter and a publisher for songwriters and publishers. That's amazing. I did not know that. Well, that's why we got you on the line. And if you're listening to us and you've always wondered what the music business was all about, the business side of the music business and how songwriters make money, well, hopefully Precious has just let us in on some of it. And frankly, if you have any inkling to be a songwriter, we encourage you to do it. You know, don't sit on the song. If you don't get it out there and let somebody hear it, there's no telling what can happen with a song. And Nashville is a, it may be called Music City, but Precious, I think you and I will both agree, it's almost a magical city because we see dreams come true in country music, but other formats too, all as a result of the creative atmosphere that a place like Nashville offers. Yeah, and plus Nashville is no longer, even though it's country music founded with yep. the Grand Ole Opry and things like that and the small publishing houses, which is now turned over to high-rises that you saw. When you were here during CMA Fest. Yeah, every time but, uh, I was at your office the other week, uh, we had to dodge dynamite blast from building. Dynamite blast and cranes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is growth. I think um, the biggest thing is there's so many history-making little places like the Idle Hour that are that's up for developer, and it's all about making new apartments and things like that. But, you know, you've got to keep some kind of history. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what the biggest disappointment was, I went to Memphis to see Stacks. Well, <laughs> it wasn't the original building. It was a building that had been built. So the ambience and the inspiration that I wanted to feel from the walls, the original walls, was not there. And uh, But the music's there and the history there, and they're telling it, which is good, because I want generations to know that America, when it comes to their music, is so full of history and longevity from the time, you know, when we started the Grand Ole Opry. R&B is some of my favorite music. I was raised with country, bluegrass, gospel, and rock and roll. So my childhood was full of music. And the most important thing is that they know now that Nashville is, if you want to be a rocker, you don't no longer have to move to L.A. or one of the bigger cities. We got Kings of Leon, Cage the Elephant, that's originally from Bowling Green that I knew when I went to college. Um, are all living in Franklin. Bob Seeger just bought a farm. Justin Timberlake just bought a farm out in Leapers Fort. And um, so it is, you know, more than just a country music mecca anymore. It's, uh, you know, I was in um, at a little get-together the other night, show a noon sound system in the Chevrolet truck. And I look and I'm thinking, that's Jason Isbell. It was Jason Isbell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sitting across, you know, over in the, and he ended up, him and his wife get up and they perform a really, really wonderful 
song off her new record that's coming out. I think it's already, I think it came out June 1st. But I said, just sitting there, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here with some of the biggest country music people, songwriters, in this room. But yet I'm looking and I see a completely different genre being performed. So you'll see a lot of that in Nashville. Like, um, I'm pretty sure when we were leaving the office last night, we went to the, the kickoff NAM, which is a party where you network. And NAM is called the Nashville National Association of Music Merchandisers. And I take my kids there to get educated because I want them to understand it's uh, Martin's entire, you know, custom staff and their artist relations and their salespeople. And it's called Summer NAM. And it's where you go and you meet the people that actually make the instruments that makes you have a career. You're talking about Martin Guitars. Martin Guitars. Okay. Gibson's there. Drumsticks. I think there's like 1,200 booths um, that's going to be represented there starting on Thursday. I called my friends from Kaiser Capo and uh, Jenna and Max, and they're coming, so I'm excited to see them. Uh, I try to go to L.A. and see them at Summer Nam. I mean, Winter Nam in January, and they come to National, of course, okay. in summer. But they bring about $22 million um, of revenue to the city for three days. Um, but we got, you know, the world of headquarters for Gibson is here. The, the artist relations department for Yamaha keyboards is here in Franklin, about 20 miles south of Nashville. So, uh, there was a lot of, um, you know, music industry making things that are here, you know, so it's really good that you bring and they're in, actually involved the city now. So on Saturday, everybody has an invitation to come in. And um, you can go to, uh, I think it's www.nam.org backwards slash MME. Okay. And it's actually a full day of education for the family. It's all ages. Um, of course, it's a non-smoking facility, which is great. But it's a really good way. If you see your child, and I'm talking from six years old on up. I had a nine-year-old there last year. that uh, His name is Carson Deans. He ended up getting a gig at the Memphis, uh, the Wing Festival in Memphis <laughs> About a couple three months ago, he's a he's a, a child prodigy, uh, and he just turned. He said, "I'm 11 now. I'm no longer 10." I said, "Okay," <laughs> and uh, but uh, he came in and just had Gibson's mouth just flying open. So it was very cool to see someone that young captivate any everybody from you know eight to eighty in a circle around him, watching him just go from Ozzy Osbourne to ACDC to uh, some of the classic rockers. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's just an experience that I can't, if you want something family to do that's not in the heat, <laughs> come out on Saturday. It's going to be great. All right. We're talking to Precious Harris here. Nashville Music Line It's our new feature on the Y'all Show that we'll have each and every week. And we're going to find out the latest. Now, this show, since our first show with Precious, it was good that she kind of gave us a little bit of background on the music side. But I know what you want people you want to know what's really going on in nashville well we're going to call time out come back with precious on the other side and we've got an update on some waylon jennings band members getting together also we'll get a recap of the big awards show that happened earlier this month and the cma fest 2018 what was that like in nashville earlier in june all that coming up with precious harris stay with us That is a pretty good breakfast. You're not even eating. Not hungry. Why not? What's up? Kath and I knew that Jenny had been partying a bit. If 
found out she tried heroin. Most people don't know what to say about drugs, but we do. Visit us at drugfree.org. A message from the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids, where families find answers. And we're back on the Y'all Show with our special guest, Precious Harris. I'm John Rawl, thanking you for tuning us in. Hey, if you've got a country music question you want to fire off to Precious, our number is 803-816-1170 on Twitter at Y'all Show. Nashville Music Line with Precious. And I was thrilled in the moments leading into the commercial break, Precious, that I got a little sample of this, and we hope to get a lot more of this, your unique laugh. <laughs> there we go hey, that's it yes she is a ball of laughter for sure all right did you get any laughs earlier in june when the cma fest came to town actually i had a blast i was out in it i did uh, about 18 interviews and written about twenty-two thousand words because i also do a syndicated column that started in 1995 with the national music guide so my biggest focus is um, you know, I love Keith Urban, love Garth, g- great, so happy he made a surprise appearance. And, of course, I have some little bits that uh, one of my friends I went to high school with, her son plays lead guitar. He had the hat on and the glasses that plays lead guitar for Dirk Bentley. So I had some Kentucky ties to CMA Fest, too. Uh, so it was really great to see all the performers. But the biggest thing is that I see is this was the highest year of attendance and they scanned the bracelets and your tags that people who bought tickets to the concert so it was one of the highest attended on record and from what i understand from my cma story that i did on national music line um cma is so proud to keep bringing this type of revenue to the city um they literally i can't it's so it's such a fine well-old working machine that I'm just amazed when you've got 130,000 people here in the city for now it's four to five days because they start out. uh, I started actually on Tuesday with Craig Campbell's cornhole challenge, which is raising awareness for colon cancer. And my brother um, was, was a colon cancer, had colon cancer um, that it's very dear to my heart. And of course there was some newcomers there, Tyler Farr and, um, and some of the other ones that come in, it was just great to see the newcomers. And I'm like, I think I want to show the new talent because the hardest thing is there's so many. I think when I talked to the president of Spotify back in May, he said, we have 100,000 songs being uploaded a day to Spotify. Hmm. How could you pick the good ones you eh, that so it's so important to discover new talent and this is a really good place to do it so my focus was on new talent because i see an upcoming loretta lynn singer songwriter i've seen the next chris stapleton so it's uh it's really good place to discover new music and they have so many free stages that it's it's if you live in town or close to town you can physically bring your family here and have a vacation without a lot of expense 
you know, if you want to get in to see the Fanfare X booth, they call it, we go in and meet all the stars and get autographs and stuff. That's only $10 to go in for that for the day, which I thought was amazing for a family rate for vacation. It's cheaper than going to amusement park, but it's also an experience of family togetherness, learning about new artists, uh, because everybody I know, there's nobody I don't know that doesn't have a CD or listen to the radio or do digital music. So it's so much a part of our life that it's good to be able to see things that we would not normally see doing our regular Spotify and things like that. So it's an easy way to search for new music is be walking down the street and say, oh, I like that stage. I like that person going two more buildings down like, oh, I love that new music. I like that person. Who's that? And, of course, everybody comes out in full force. Hmm. I think they said there were 645 artists playing um, in Nashville for the three, the, from that Thursday until that Saturday. That's a lot of free artist stuff, and that's not including the stages at the the, the Nissan Stadium. Those are a little bit different, uh, but all the artists volunteer their time, um, so it's a really, really good thing to bring music to the people. Well, CMF Fest upcoming, if you weren't in Nashville in June, in early June to see it, the CMA Fest TV special airs on ABC on My Birthday, Precious. What a great birthday gift. August 8th on ABC, the CMA Fest, so check it out. And if you want to get to Nashville in 2019 and see it in person, tickets are already on sale at cmafest.com tickets. So the CMA Fest, a great success in Music City. Now, here's some interesting news that I wanted to ask you about. It appears that several members of Waylon Jennings, the great Waylon Jennings, who passed away back in 2002, his band members are getting together, and they've renamed themselves the Whalers. What, what do we know about this? Well, the funny thing that I do, I do know the actual steel player that was with Waylon for all those years. His, actual, his name is Fred Newell, and he used to be the music leader or band leader for Music City Tonight with Ralph Embry. He and my husband used to go to church together, so we always try to catch their show. And then the kid, the last person that Waylon produced, the kid name, I call him a kid, but he's written in my office, so he's a kid, Tommy Townsend. And he has actually come back on as vocals and guitar. They've actually got um, the, the original members, all but one. And then they also are going to have a multimedia show, and they're going to have personal stories. Um, I've just talked to one of the band members, and they said that it looks like that Miss Jessie Coulter, Waylon's widow, is going to be coming out on the road with them to do some dates, and so is his son, Shooter Jennings. So it looks to be a really, really good if, – if you love the outlaw country movement, this is going to be a really good way to get your fix for the next year is seeing these shows, and they're amazing. I mean, I've just – and Tommy doesn't sound like Waylon, but because Tommy was such an – influenced and inspired by Waylon growing up before Waylon ever knew who Tommy was before Tommy sang with Waylon that it's just going to be a really really great show all right well we encourage you to check out the tour dates that they're going to have as they're reuniting and going to hit the road and play some Waylon Jennings music I was a big fan of Waylon Jennings I think he was from uh he was somewhere somewhere around West Texas Lubbock area was his home area if I'm not mistaken of course he was supposed to be on the plane with Buddy Holly if yes, you, him know, and Tommy Alsip, yeah. Yep, and they gave up their seat to the Big Bopper and the other one that uh, passed away in 59, I think. When that Gene Shepard's husband. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Waylon Jennings, a good one that we will always remember. Another country legend uh, that I wanted to bring up 
with you here. Randy Travis received the first ever Cracker Barrel Country Legend Award. I love Randy. I do too. No, I physically. I remember seeing him <laughs> okay. when he was okay. Randy Trawick, and he would come out of the kitchen at the Nashville Palace, and my mother and I would go to Nashville in the you know, early 80s, mid 80s, before I really got uh, my head really dipped in it good and moved down here mm-hmm. in the 19 in, in 1990. But I remember him coming out of the kitchen to sing on stage. And when he did, you could have heard a pin drop. When a cook comes out of the kitchen, everybody else is like having a good time and you're drinking. It's a, you know, National Palace was over 21 country music bar. Yeah. Very famous, had famous people playing it. He came in there and started singing a song and the whole place just went dead quiet. And then once he was finished, it was standing ovation and cheers and jeers. I'm thinking that kid's going to be a star one day. And so when I heard him on the radio, they said it was Randy Travis. So I did not put the two together because he was introduced to the crowd as Randy Trawick mm-hmm. before he you know, changed his name. And uh, when he sang, I went, that sounds just like Randy Trawick. Sure enough, did my research and I was working for Texas Country at the time, Texas Country Music Magazine. And sure enough, it was the same person. But, uh, you know, a lot of people... Randy, his 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 years like when not when he first came out it was nineteen eighty five. Of course, he was he won best new male vocalist then. You, you sure won nineteen eighty two? Yeah, yeah, that was the title of the song. I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just picking on you. I know you're messing with me. I knew you were, but uh, yeah, everybody loves Randy, and uh, he actually uh, recorded a song in two thousand and three, or actually recorded two thousand two, but it hit. It was song of the year and uh, single of the year nominated for in 2003 it did not win and i can't remember why but everybody's like i should have won because it's such a pivotal career moving Mm -hmm. song but the co-writers kim williams is one of my good friends i think he had like the joke is he's had like he made garth's career but several people did but garth took i mean uh kim williams uh he wrote papa loves mama and some of the super hits with garth but he's one who took garth under his wing and helped develop him as a songwriter and uh was instrumental. So when he got inducted um, into the National Songwriters Hall of Fame, Garth was the one who inducted him, which was amazing to see these people that started, you know, almost 30 years ago, their dreams come full circle. So it was pretty cool. Um, but Doug Johnson, who is a good friend of mine, uh, his wife actually is uh, works for a publishing company that my friend owns. But he, uh, they pitched a little background. They pitched three wooden crosses to Kenny Chesney, and he said it just didn't fit him. Um, a couple of other people in Nashville, not going to say any more names, got the song pitched. And everybody said, well, it's just not for me. Love it, but I'm not the kind to sing story songs. So when Randy Travis was pitched the song, instantly he knew that was a song for him. And it actually helped put him back on the charts because he had a little dry period there because he had a vocal event with um, Clint Black and Joe Diffie and Merle Haggard and Emmylou. He was nominated for Vocal Event of the Year in 1998. Um you know, and then he came back with three wooden crosses in 2003. Um, so, you know, of course, in the middle, he had Grammy nominations. I think his last nomination was in 1993 for Better Class of Losers for Best Male Country Vocal. And then, you know, four years later in 2002, he had Inspirational Journey for Best Gospel Album nominated and ended up winning the following year for Best Gospel Album for Rise and Shine. So he has a lot of um, history, you know what I mean, with right. uh, different things, but very, very proud to be able to watch his career blossom yeah well randy uh, is now 59 years old and if you've kept up with the news in recent years he had an awful stroke back in 2013 he flat he flatlined three times and doctors actually advised removing him from life support 
but he's been able to hold on and he's up and going, but he really doesn't sing and hardly talks if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, but he's much better. He can, he can, he actually is communicating. Uh, I've, they do have some small um, things to him, but his thing, you know, Randy is such a, um, you know, being in the industry, everything he went through before he ever made it big, he was in the studio making hit records for years. So he's actually producing uh, one of my friends, Shane Owen. And uh, he's traditional country. And, of course, Shane was so ironic that Shane came to Nashville and pursued country music because of Randy Travis. So for Randy to be producing his latest record, was like full circle. And I sent him a song uh, from a hit writer friend of mine that's had, you know, uh, 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 Daddy was the Cadillac kind for Confederate Rubber. But I sent uh, Shane a song because his manager is one of my good friends, Joe Kelly, that is uh, – vice president of cdx and it's called you can't leave a woman who's already gone hmm. I like so that. that's about as country as you could get and uh so we're hoping it gets on the record so you know so that's when you look back and you see it come out you know you've got a song coming out it makes you feel really really good yes you know we're visiting that song five years ago yeah we're visiting with precious harris as we wrap up today's y'all show and i just gotta quickly ask you how many good friends you got how many millions do you have because you got a lot and I'm one of them, so I'm glad to be there. Um, but Precious, no, you're, you're something else. And there's a reason why you've got so many good friends. You're, you're a lot of fun and a good person to know. Uh, quickly, before we get out of here, Elvis is going to be back on the big screen, the 1968 comeback special. They're going to have a limited edition uh, in select movie theaters, a reintroduction of that 68 comeback special. So that's coming up in mid-August. Check it out. And also, Precious, you wanted us to talk about your friend from Kentucky, Ashley Gorley, a hit songwriter. Yes. Well, Ashley and I have known each other for years, but just recently, since I've been covering number one parties and doing things and writing for uh, specifically for uh, putting together deals for ASCAP and helping BMI covering more of the, the industry part of it, Ashley uh, is from Danville, Kentucky. And he came to town right out of, literally, he left high school, graduated, and moved to Nashville. And sent 37 number ones, including the last uh, hit for, uh, he's got Unforgettable, and Marry Me for uh, Thomas Rhett, of course. Of course, Thomas Rhett, which is a really funny thing, his roommate in college was my intern <laughs> when I went to work, when I started working for uh, the bass player, Teddy from Alabama. So I sort of have a history and a new Rhett but, town in 1991 92 so it's cool to see uh full circle that ashley came to town and he basically wrote his way to superstardom in the songwriters world wow well uh again you 32 number ones written by ashley gorley ashley gorley yes but here's the funny part he is tied right now uh he just needs one more number one record and of course it can be on media base or music road charts or billboard but they consider you know a number one record by airplay and spins and the way they calculate it through the radio airplay that he needs one more and he will break the record of of the beatles wow that's yeah which is mccartney and you know john lennon so it's it's pretty special especially being from kentucky because you know, you would think somebody from L.A. or New York would break the record or, you know, in a more supersonic city about uh, music being the forefront. But he's just from a small town in Danville. Um, his mom and dad are just the sweetest people you ever want to meet. 
and just really supportive of them. And uh, but I'm very proud of it because you know Kentucky's always um, been, you know, they call it in a it's bluegrass it's a bluegrass state, but it's always been known for the more um, uh, Appalachian music and forefront until the Everly Brothers came to full circle from Central City, Kentucky. You know, in the in the 50s and the 60s so it's really good to see somebody from your home state do good and uh but i'm very proud of ashley so hopefully we'll have a number one celebration here pretty soon yeah so the kentucky country music connections include ricky skaggs keith whitley patty loveless d white yokum uh love dwight and there's loretta lynn bill monroe of course going to the father of bluegrass but there's just so many that yeah i don't want to leave out the coal miner's daughter uh, but uh, yeah, there's Kentucky, a, a very proud state for music, and all of our southern states have people they're proud of. Kentucky has certainly held its own, musically speaking, and precious. We're we know you're a good old bluegrass girl yourself, and we really appreciate uh, what you're going to offer and bring us the country music s- scoop and and business side of things here on the Y'all Show. We want to remind everybody again, Precious's book is called The College of Songology 101. The Singer-Songwriter's Need-to-Know Reference Handbook. What's the best way for people to pick up a copy of that? Well, they uh, you can pick it up on Amazon for the digital load, or you can just email the website, and we do it all in-house. So I can keep the cost down so there's no middleman, and I always autograph it. Because number one is I want them to realize that this is from one dreamer to another dream. So when you get the book, you've purchased a dream. Because, um, you know, I learned the hard way when I was 10 years old from a song. My mother was taken by song sharks and what they call song sharks. And and uh, they call them slithering reptiles on Music Row. So uh, since I'm a survivor of cancer, 84 surgeries, I'm thinking, you know what? If I can survive this, I'm, I'm here for a reason. So I'm going to help other people survive their dreams and live their dream. Go for it. So it's basically if you're going to be a surgeon, you go to school for eight years. So you need to know what's pertinent to your career. So this is one reason why that how to protect yourself as a songwriter and artist, things like that. So it's the stuff that affects you directly with your direct decisions, which determines your destiny. So it's a very simplistic book because once you get these huge books and they're great, if you're a four or five year music lawyer major, Mm -hmm. but if you want to be a singer songwriter, the best way to do is to find, you know, educate yourself on how to protect yourself educate yourself on how to go to the next level and know it's just like monopoly you got to know the faces because it's all about relationships and networking in this town it's not always about talent yes the website is nashvillemusicline.com and precious harris has been kind enough to be on and she'll be on with us each week talking country music and all that's going on in music city precious thank you so much for your report You're very welcome, and everyone have a blessed day. All right. Good girl there. Good southern girl. All right. Well, that puts a bow on today's Y'all Show with John Rawl. want to thank Precious again for being our special guest. And in hour one, we had Jonathan Leifite of GoJackets.com. The Thursday edition tomorrow, we'll have SEC football. We'll have Joel Thompson coming on talking about the Georgia Bulldogs and much, much more. That's the Thursday edition. Everybody have a good rest of your day. We'll catch you tomorrow. This has been the Y'all Show with John Rawls.
Reese and Irvy's here, the world's first and only frozen yogurt and ice cream dispensing robot franchise. Today, we're talking with Christina Gregory, one of our 235 national franchisees. What drew you to starting a recent Irvy's franchise? Knowing I could own my own business that brings smiles to customers and revenue to me. Delicious desserts in under 60 seconds made by a robot? That's unseen in the marketplace and the kind of opportunity I was looking for. What excites you about the potential of your recent Irvy's franchise? Honestly, my robots don't get sick, never take time off, and never show up late. My robots allow me time to focus on what's important, my customers. What do you love most about being a recent Irvy's franchisee? The support from Reese and Irvy's. They secured high traffic locations for my robots and provided all the training I needed. Now I deliver a unique frozen experience that's on the cutting edge of technology. Interested in a recent Irvy's franchise of your own? Simply go to FroyoFranchising.com and enter promo code 5353 to learn more. That's FroyoFranchising.com, promo code 5353.